Talking about stuff, talking about things, talking about you, talking about me. It's not a wild country, and we are celebrating. It is Canberra. Conversations in the capital. Hello, my name is Henry. Welcome to Canberra Conversations in the Capital. Today, inside the Kenoff Barbershop in Palmerston, I'm joined by Sam Dowdle. Arriving from New Zealand in 2021, Sam built their mobile barbershop by hand, all with a main goal in mind, creating a resource for communication and conversation on men's mental health and masculinity. With crisis training from Lifeline under their belt, Sam allows customers the chance for a comfortable, trusting and open conversation about their feelings and emotions, all whilst delivering an amazing looking haircut in the process. Calling themselves the Bada Barber, Sam hopes to continue these conversations all throughout the nation's capital, empowering its people to understand more about themselves, their emotions, and the importance of talking about them. Sam, hello, how are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. The sun's finally shining. We're in a tiny little black metal box. Yeah. That's exactly where you want to be on a sunny day. Absolutely. We are slowly burning Mm -hmm. to death, and hopefully if this interview goes long enough, or not long enough, we'll be able to get out. I think it's going to be the microwave story where it heats from the inside out, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so we are on a time load. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you've just given me a haircut, and it looks amazing. It thank, does. Thank you for that. We are in the Kenoff Barbershop, and it's such a sight to behold. I, I love everything about this. I love the secret compartments. I love the mirror. I love all of this in front of me. This is really good. Tell me more about the physical creation of this, because you spent basically a year yeah. on it. There's so many different things... Yeah. To, to it. So I brought like a micro home, so think of the tiny home but smaller, mm-hmm. from the Canberra Zoo. Yeah, the National Zoo and Aquarium. Yeah, yeah. the National Zoo and Aquarium, picked it up, got it home, and we realised that it wasn't going to be roadworthy. It wasn't made to that standard. It was fine for what they were using it for, wasn't going to actually work out for what we were using it for. Sure. So we took literally everything that we had just brought... <laughs> Scrubbed it right back down to the steel trailer. Oh, so wow. they took it okay. all the way down to a, to a bare metal, redid all of the steel, and then started from the ground up and built it again, which was a wonderful use of time and resources. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in the end, we got something that is made for us and it's made for purpose, you know, yeah. which I'm really proud of. Absolutely. There's so much to it, right? Like these doors themselves. Yep. Tell me where they came from. Well, um,. Don't want to get myself in trouble again, but they did uh, come from the rubbish bin. I'm saying that very clearly. The rubbish bin in the old Parliament House when they were um, redoing everything. This is way before the fires or anything like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, they were being thrown out. They were yep. just about to go to the tip. Yeah, and I rescued them from there. Well, there you go, a true savior of the of of all the wood and all yeah. of that. Yeah. And yeah, I have to be nice and clear about that because birds have told me that there is a national inquiry into those <laughs> doors, which came from a rubbish bin. A rubbish bin. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to hear more about the idea behind this barbershop as well, because you did something similar in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. So for about five years, I traveled around in a um, kind of a house bus scenario mm-hmm. and I was living off barter. So I didn't take any cash for haircuts. I just swapped goods and services mm. to get into communities that usually I wouldn't be able to get into. Yeah. And, you know, when you come into a new community and you're giving something, people are a lot more uh, receptive to bringing you in, which actually helps me empathize with people because I get to be on their terms. And so coming over here, I knew I wanted to do a similar thing. Um, we've got a lot of similar issues when it comes to 
the problems we face, uh, especially with our men. Also, building this was was a personally a really good thing for me uh, to get closer to my brothers. Yeah. Do you want to tell me more about that? Are they here with you right now? Um, yeah, so this is their house that we're parked in front of at the moment. They're both younger than me, and we've got different mums. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't grow up together, but I came over here to look after my father. And in that time, you know, with lockdowns and things like that, we all got together to build something together, you know, to work together with purpose. Yeah. But also the best way to kind of communicate with men is side by side, hands busy. Yeah, Rather than front on, you know. So as we worked together side by side, we got to know each other and we got to have some of those more difficult conversations, which Mm. was beautiful. That's lovely. Yeah. And... You call yourself the Bada Baba, and mm. you briefly mentioned before, in New Zealand you were essentially swapping or exchanging haircuts for those conversations. Mm. Could you speak more to that, and also to the ideas behind this barbershop being called the Kenov Barbershop? Absolutely. So yeah, I lived on Bada for five years, which mm-hmm. was a great way to, you know, break down those lines, but it was also a great way to be a bloody martyr. <laughs> um, and so I don't want to be the martyr barber anymore. <laughs> So Ken yeah. Oath is is this barbershop in particular. Mm-hmm. It's this particular project. So the Bada Barber is what I do my projects through. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of the umbrella. And then there's different projects that come through, like Ken Oath is one of our projects. Mm. Where did the name come from? Uh, Ken Oath? Yeah. F***ing Oath. Oh, sure. Great. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where... It, it needed to be a bit ochre. Yeah, of It course. needed to be really Australian, and it needed to appeal to the guys that I'm trying to get to, which is your farmers and your tradies. Yeah, okay. Um, and so that's something that's it's really relatable, but it's also hilarious the amount of people who think my name is Ken. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, just the penny hasn't quite dropped yet. Yeah, I mean, no, because I thought it was kind of a play on um that old uh, subtitle meme that came out when... Uh, Andrew Barr was saying oh, Ken the Ken Barons, yeah, and the, the Ken, um, but yeah, no, this was a, I think this was before then I came with that. that yeah, name, fair but, enough. Um, yeah, and it's there's a couple of Kenites around Australia. I reached out to them uh, before I started, <laughs> yeah. just to make sure that everybody was on the same page. And sure. yeah, so I've got a really good relationship with other Kenites. That's amazing. Uh, it's there's like... a really great clothing company based in Goldie. That yeah, we've got some of the stickers. My goodness, yeah. that's so lovely, mm. and. All this happened after you arrived in Canberra, right? Yeah. You arrived in Canberra. COVID had just kind of... We were in that middle phase, right? Where, like, it it was going down a bit, but then went back. How was it arriving in the city after New Zealand and settling in to everything? I didn't expect to be here for very long. Sure. Um, My father had aggressive cancer at the time, and so I had come over to do his palliative care. Mm -hmm. Um, And he just lived out of spite for a long time. (laughs) Like, if you want to keep someone living, just make them angry at the world, and they'll just live and live and live. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, And so that's what happened. And so it got to a point where... I was like, should I need to sell up everything back home? And I actually just need to move here. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I did. I mm. love this place. I think that Canberra is one of the most unknown jewels mm. in Australia. It's really, really good. Oh, good. Well, I think the city's lucky to have you as well. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm so humble. The most humble the most. ever. That's There's it. There's no one more humble. No more. No, no more one. Humble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool.
All right, let's chat more about what you're trying to do with the barbershop and with all of this. Mental health is so important right now, especially after COVID and all of that, right? How have you seen mental health and the importance of it, the recognition of it evolve over these last few years? Australia and New Zealand are in very, very different places with uh, their mental health journeys. In New Zealand, what I've been working with is a system that is overdrawn, um, underfunded, Mm. and really, really hard to get people help. Right. So when you go out into these communities, you can't say, I'm going to help you. Mm. You can't say that because that's disingenuous. Sure. And so coming over to Australia where the funding's so much better, sure, it's not perfect, but it's better than you know 90% of the world. Hmm. Access here is so much better than what I'm used to. And so the big difference in between the two is that my work here in Australia is actually about connecting guys with other services that are already working and that have already proven themselves. I don't have to take the same load on as what I did in New Zealand. So here I've noticed a lot of the, the focus is actually on crisis Mm. it's saying hey don't hurt yourself don't hurt others you know ask for help this kind of stuff and i'm watching money being poured into that but my belief is that as much as crisis is important we actually need to go upstream and we need to start with education and the education is the part that's failing here the education's not getting to the groups of men that it needs to get to and those groups of men, a lot of the time, are put in the too hard basket. Mm. They're too staunch, they're too hard, they're not going to listen, you know? Yeah. Where, in my experience, going out to these men, as soon as you get out there and go, hey, we need to talk about our mental health, they just go, how? You know, <laughs> they want to know how, they want to know, especially from that, that masculine idea of fix it, yeah. they want to know how to fix it. And so going through and speaking their own language to them, giving them the tools of... Hey, this is what listening looks like. Hey, you don't actually have to fix things for anybody else. You can just be there for them. And this is what this looks like. Or, hey, this is how to ask for help without emasculating yourself. Mm. Those are the challenges that we're facing here. And that's what this shop is built for. That's amazing. The concept of masculinity in Australian men, Mm -hmm. I think, is quite... In certain ways, there are just kind of like stereotypes to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Have you encountered something similar in your travels, in your in your discussions? Here in Australia? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that we've got very strong ideas of what men's roles are, mm. but we don't speak about them. Mm. It's something that we see a lot, you know, the only real education that you get about masculinity or what a man is, is usually from your dad. Yeah, sure. Um, but there isn't actually a consensus, a larger consensus about what a man's role is. And also, you know, that changes depending on what your cultural background is, uh, whether you've immigrated here or not, whether you're First Nations or not. Those all change that definition of what a man is. But we're seeing at the moment, especially with, you know, access to information and stuff like that, a lot of men feeling like their ideas of masculinity are being challenged. And uh, it's actually really worrying a lot of these guys. You know, you hear this worry and... A lot of it comes back to emasculation, you know? Mm. People feeling like they don't want to be emasculated, but not quite having the language about what that means to them. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to gender expectations as well, I think, I think Canberra is a bit more 
progressive along the lines of it than other states and territories uh, in the country, but there's still a level of calibration, yeah. trying to figure it out, trying to understand it. When you have those kind of conversations in here, what are issues and topics that kind of come up regarding it? Well, I think that more so than anything, you know, being a barbershop, we talk a lot about reflection, whether it be physical reflection, whether it be emotional reflection, and mm. you are physically sitting in front of a <laughs> mirror here yeah. as we're having these conversations. So I think that it's not my job at all to ever tell anybody what masculinity is, mm. but I can help them with talking about what the performance is. Hmm. Because when we talk about gender, we are talking about performance, and that's a nuanced view. Yeah. But it's the reality of gender, because hmm. it's all a dance, baby. We're all just doing <laughs> a dance. And so, you know, when these guys come in and they've got these really solid ideas and they've got frustrations around that, having that reflection, that reflective time, just to kind of probe that a little bit gently and go, well, where are these, these ideas coming from? And you've reached out and you've touched on... You know, just kind of like the the supposed tos, mm. and the supposed tos is a really, really dangerous one, <laughs> because when we talk about and and I see this mostly, you know, when I'm out on the, on these job sites and these farms, is that guys have grown up with a I'm supposed to be this role, but inside I don't feel like I can make that role. I can't be man enough, mm. you know, and I've been told that I'm not man enough X, Y, and Z, yeah. so I need to perform up to that. And it's that performance and being able to actually take that apart and go, okay, what does what does that look like? You know, for a lot of men, especially in, with the guys that I'm working with, they feel like they need to be a spire of strength for everybody around them. That they have to, you know, pick up pick up the role and and they have to be the man about it. And it's really important to actually be able to take that apart, take walk that back and go. Well, who do you have to be responsible for? Mm. Are you picking up responsibility that people are asking you to pick up? Or are you picking up responsibility because you feel like that's what's supposed to be done? Mm. And once we can actually get past that point, a lot of people feel a lot more uh, peace with themselves and peace with their partners as well, you know? Because if you feel like you have to do everything for everybody, you can get quite resentful about that. But your partners can also get resentful as well because they're not asking you to do shit. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yeah. In a broader sense, what kind of advice might you give to those hoping to just, you know, have better mental health? Be kind to yourself. Mm. That's such a such a oversimplified thing. But the reality is that we all tell ourselves stories about our worth, how good of a person we are, what other people think of us, all those kind of things. If I can put it into a, a little thought here. Please. You walk into a room and your two best friends are sitting there. And as you walk into the room, they're talking to each other the same things as what you say to yourself on a daily basis about your worth, how much you, you know, how good you are. If you walked into those two best friends and they were saying that, you'd tell them to get the fuck out. You'd yeah. say, how dare you speak about me in this way? How dare you do not have the right to speak about me like that? But we do it to ourselves every single day without thinking about it, you know? And mm. we tell those stories as if they're truths. And that's why community is so important as yeah. well, because community rem- reminds us that those are nothing but stories in our head, that the reality is, is that most people are pretty focused on themselves, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rather than yourself. And so just finding a place where you can be kind to yourself 
is going to bring you a peace that is going to reflect onto everybody else you deal with. Because once you stop fighting yourself, you can start loving others. Hmm. Yeah, we say that at the end of this podcast as well, to be kind, and sometimes it's just to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, that's the hard one, and that's a, that's a chain reaction right there, you know? Absolutely. You, you become hotter. People find you hotter. <laughs> you come to yourself, people are like, holy sh, you're so hot. <laughs> there's, a, there's a hot tip for you. Even aside from Canberra, mm-hmm. you have been doing similar things for the last 12 years. Yeah. Speak to some of the lessons that you have learned from not just this project, but this whole adventure. That people are generally good. Mm-hmm. That we are chronically online as a people, and chronically online we only see division. That those apps that we're using sow division in us on purpose they sow it because a click is a click Mm. just like a neglected dog if you neglect a dog it will do good things and bad things to get your attention they apps do the exact same thing and it gives us a real jaded view of what the world and what human interaction is Mm. so get the fuck offline and go and see (laughs) someone go and talk to somebody that you don't agree with yeah you know, go and have a sit down with somebody and try and understand where they're coming from rather than pushing your own agenda for a second. And we realize that, sure, nuance might change, it might be different, and, and we, we've all got, you know, deeply held beliefs. But in the end, 99% of people are good, hmm. you know? We just can be terrible to each other <laughs> through a screen. Um, um, another one for me is that out of all of the drugs that I come across on the road, all of the drug issues that I come across, and I do work with drug issues quite a bit, mm-hmm. alcohol is the most harmful. Mm. Alcohol, even though that we have such a casual relationship with it, and that it's so normalised everywhere, causes just, yeah, just a massive <laughs> amounts of harm in our world. And that's a conversation we need to start having, you know, yeah. more of, you know, even casual drinking... We get a lot of passes on that. Yeah. So I think that there is a there's a there's a conversation to be had, and it's also a depressant, you know. A lot of us, um, especially us that suffer from depression, and I do myself. Mm-hmm. Putting a depression on top of that is, as you could imagine, yeah, probably you're, you're a pretty down. harsh <laughs> thing to do to yourself. Yeah. But it's good for the escapism, you know. Mm. And so with any drugs like alcohol or any other drug, they're like a band aid. Yeah. So, you know, you can scratch yourself and you go, ah, that hurts. Mm. And you go and grab a Band-Aid and you chuck it on there. And that's okay, you know. Sometimes you need a Band-Aid. But if we don't take that Band-Aid off, we keep on just putting another Band-Aid over top of it, another Band-Aid on top of that, what happens to the wound? Yeah. It becomes infected, it becomes sepsis, you know. It becomes something bigger than it ever was. Mm. And in the same way as we use alcohol and drugs, having a conversation about letting it breathe and being able to sit in that feeling and understand what that feeling is that we're running from is such an important part to our own healing as well. For sure. Very well said. Mm. Throughout this entire conversation, your faithful companion has been sitting next to you. Bobo the Poodle yeah. is a trained therapy dog he is. and has been with you for a long time now. Yeah, yeah. Tell He's... me about him. 
Well, he's got more paperwork than I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, he's got more accolades and all sorts. When we were doing suicide crisis work, he worked really closely with us. Mm. Again, that thing that we're saying about working side by side, keeping our hands busy, that's what the mullet, he's got, you would have noticed he had a dreaded mullet. Yeah. That's what the mullet's there for. So when <laughs> we're in a, in, in a place where a guy's feeling uncomfortable, we're maybe getting into a point that we need to have these conversations, Boru can sit there, he can play with his mullet, his hands are busy, and it just helps with the mouth moving a little bit, you yeah. know? But also living on the road, you know? He's my best friend. Aww. He's just had a five-hour surgery to get rid of all of his teeth, except what? for six. Yeah. How old is he now? He's 12. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, he's got all sorts of lumps and bumps, but he's saved more lives than any other animal I can think of, you know? Um, maybe a canary in a coal mine might save a couple more <laughs> lives. But he's a very similar, very That's similar it. thing. But, yeah, he's my best friend. How many languages does he know? Uh, three. Yeah. So yeah, he speaks Spanish, uh, Te Reo Māori, and English. And he also has a doctorate. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. a doctorate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very good. Thank you, Wolf. Yes. <laughs> this next question I've asked everyone this season so far. Give me a controversial opinion about the ACT. You've been here for two years now. Yep. What's on your mind? If you find Canberra boring, you're boring. Nice. Straight up. Like, Preach. Like, there is, <laughs> there is so much to do here. Um, the difference between Canberra and another large city is that a lot of large cities, you can walk off the street and go and do something. Here, you have to just have to plan it. Hmm. But the difference between here and anywhere else that I've lived is that if you go and do a hobby, the people that are best at it will be there with the best gear, doing the best job. Because, let's face it, not a lot of people choose to move to the ACT. Mm. So when you move here, you get to go and, you know, put your life into whatever your hobby is. So if you like archery, there's the best archery clubs here. If you like um, skate shooting, the best skates. Skates. <laughs> Gosh darn. Gosh darn. <laughs> oh, thank you. And so, so, yeah, like, Canberra on its face can seem monotonous. But there is so much to do here. You just need to get off the couch. Yeah, God, enough. I feel like Kim Kardashian being like, <laughs> go to work. Just go to work. No, I don't mean it. I don't mean it. But truly, it's not a boring truly. place. Yeah. <laughs> truly. Truly. Well, 2023 is just turned over mm -hmm. while we're recording. I think this will come out in maybe April. But right now, we're still in January. Mm -hmm. What is the future looking like? For Sam Dowdle, for the Kenneth Barber Shop, the Barter Barber, what is 23 looking like? So this year we get a truck, we put this on the back of a truck. Whoa, um, big moments. Yeah, and then we start making our web series, uh -huh. which we're going to start travelling around, and what we want to do is highlight men that are doing manhood well. We mm. hear enough about men that are f***ing up. Mm -hmm. um, we want to highlight what men can do for men, and mm. what men are doing you know, better, how we're healing, how we're taking responsibility, how we're nurturing, how we're building, you know, yeah. all those positive parts of masculinity. We want to show that off so guys can see what it looks like because I think that we've had such a big shift mm. in, in masculinity and our ideas of masculinity. We need to see that coming through the other side rather than just being like showing all the shit parts mm. because I think that's a story that's been told. 
Yeah, sure. That sounds amazing. That's a very big year ahead for you. It's going to be a big year. The last two years, I've, I've been looking after my father. Yeah. He passed away probably four months um, ago. Sorry. Um, makes one of us. Oh. Yeah, but no, no. It was it was a it was a really hard time. It was a really full on time. Yeah. So this year, I get to come back to being me. Mm. And I get to put my best foot forward and taking back, you know, this life and showing Australia, hey, we got this. That's it. That's, That's it. it. I mean, hey, no matter where you're, where, where you end up moving around, driving to, you're always welcome back here. You know that. Hey, I actually want to live here, I, so I'm not going to move away. I'll keep a house here, and I'll start with just going to the south coast and back, yeah. and then just kind of going further and further, just for little bits. I'd, I'd like to, at some point, start a youth centre here. That's mm. the ultimate goal. That'll be lovely. Yeah. Finally, Sam, the floor is yours. Do you have any final thoughts, additional things you'd like to say out before we close? I think that there needs to be more ACT conspiracies. Like, okay. there yeah. is such a, a, a great framework to have so many lies. Mm -hmm. Tell more lies. Like, yeah, okay. I want you to <laughs> lie about your public service job to me. I want... <laughs> I want you to lie about tunnels under the city. Yeah. I want you to lie about chemtrail cloud machines. Like, there's such a good basis for <laughs> lies and stories here. Don't let the truth get in the way. Do you want to just, like, spend a minute just pretending, like, oh, starting a conspiracy right now, and eventually someone might just quote that minute from this podcast and nothing else? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Absolutely. Okay, so... The Canberra Red Bricks, yeah, you know the original Canberra All the Red, Red Bricks, Bricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were actually part of a upside down pyramid that they had here in the centre of Canberra first. You know, I've been telling um, people this now for years. Yeah, with the Freemasons, they they yes. they got it all out, and yep. they they were like, all right, we need to disperse this pyramid so we can uh, keep the mind control properties, you know, rolling around the flat earth. That's it, and the pyramid was was the size of. Canberra. That's why. Yeah. That's why it's a bowl. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. mountains yeah. and a middle gigantic pyramid. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. And and uh, this is the truth that they don't want you to hear. No. This. Yes. Yeah. This is the truth. Once you get to APS minus three, minus three, you really get to hear all of this stuff. And this is this is the hot takes. So um, yeah. Yeah. Spread it. If it's spread it. If it's minus three, does that mean you paid them the amount of money? Because um, <laughs> it's in the negatives? Honestly, or? I'd like to tell you, but I don't want to lose <laughs> that's my a, minus but that's six a different, rating. But that's a different thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're, you're officially a sponsor of the Australian government at that point. Yeah, that's... <laughs> oh, man. Sam, this has been such a lovely chat. Thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. It was nice to get you here. Lovely to have y'all in here. And... I know that we've got silly because it's really hot in here. But it's been so much fun. That it's been a blast. It's been so much fun. Thank blast, you so much. Folks, my name is Henry, and from the Kenoff Barbershop in Palmerston, this has been Canberra, Conversations in the Capital. Stay safe, be kind, and we'll see you very soon. <laughs> <laughs>